Welcome to Noclip, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think that books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rudermans. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about Ghostwire Tokyo, a game that was developed by Tango Gameworks, published by Bethesda, and was released in 2022 on the PlayStation 5, Windows, Xbox Series X, and S. But first, if you give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. So, Ghostwire Tokyo is, uh, for all intents and purposes, a first-person shooter game, Uh, but it is done in, it's an open-world game, and it it doesn't, there's not really guns in it, and the shooting you do is magic that you use from your hand. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's kind of a weird game. It is not as weird as I wanted it to be. But it is weird in ways that amuse me a lot. Yeah, it's very different from other AAA games anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I, I was wondering if this game was advertised as a horror game at all. Right. Because um, it has horror elements. But like I think it, it feels more like almost like an immersive sim. A bit. Like kind of combined with an RPG. Like, yeah, it, it has its... its definitely got like several things going on yeah blend i would almost argue it has a bit too much going on but we'll we'll get into that as we move along i think one of the the interesting things one of the more interesting things that i wanted to start with is just that is your description and i don't remember if you said this on the last episode Mm. or if you've just said it in person but i've also heard the same sort of like sentiment mirrored in that when this game was announced, I remember seeing the announcement trailer thinking that it looked kind of cool. And then, uh, nobody ever spoke of it again. (laughs) (laughs) Like I didn't know when it came out. I didn't know anybody who played it. Uh, nobody was Mm -hmm. talking about it. Uh, I never saw, nobody did a three hour video essay about it. I, I was completely out of my element. Uh, and then when, you know, we came around to uh, Spooktember <laughs> in July. Right, the best idea we've ever had. The greatest idea of this or any generation. Um, I put it on the list because it had Ghost in the title. Right. Uh, and uh, you, on the other hand, mm-hmm. saw the trailer. <laughs> And had a different reaction. Yeah, yeah. I just remember, I don't know exactly what it is about it. Mm-hmm. But I remember seeing it, the announcement trailer for this, and it just kind of, like, looking like nothing. Like, I just remember it feeling it looked like, I don't, don't think generic is the right word. Right. But, like, I don't know. It just looked very unappealing to me for some reason. It had big, like... Like, I don't know if other people do this, but there's always, like, a couple of, like, fringe AAA games that, like, if you told me the name of it, I would have no idea, like, what it looked like or what you did in it, but I would recognize the name. Right. It had big that energy. Like, (laughs) just that one game. Oh, I've heard that name before, but I have no idea what that is. Yeah, I actually, coming into it, I didn't know, like, coming into, all the way up to the point where I was beginning to play the game, I actually did not know what, like, your verbs in the game were. Mm -hmm. What I knew from seeing the announcement trailer was that there were Japanese-style ghosts, 
mm-hmm. and that you did kung fu motions <laughs> to shoot green energy out of your hand. Right. And for me, I was like sold. Mm-hmm. Like I want to do that. But and <laughs> some of it, like it does read as a little lame. Yeah, like for me, I, I am like kind of biased against like games set in a city. Yeah. That always is like, oh, can, you, can you do something a little more interesting? <laughs> <laughs> than just Tokyo? Yeah. And, I mean, it ends up being cool yeah. in the game proper, but I maybe that might be one of the things that put me off of it. Right. So, and what's interesting is that I, I go through all of this at preliminary, mm-hmm. and we're talking about the announcement trailer and how nobody really talked about the game, and the lead-in... If you're if you are following general human speech patterns, you would assume that I would say, but they should be talking about it because it's actually a hidden gem. Mm-hmm. And I'm not here to convince you of that at all. <laughs> I don't think this game I would I would stretch to say that this <laughs> game is good. I think this game is at the very least playable, but it is also to me really interesting Mm -hmm. so i think if it's if if what you're looking for is a game that that would teach you about like triple a development and how things sometimes go way off the rails of what they probably (laughs) were supposed to do this is a great game to me to demonstrate that and over the course of the podcast that's (laughs) what i'm going to be trying to convey yeah i think i agree with what you're saying, mm-hmm. but uh, I think I would call it a hidden gem, though. I mean, yeah. A hidden pe- gem doesn't necessarily imply that it's great. True. If people really aren't talking about it, and it's not just, like, in a dead zone that I'm just not aware of, mm-hmm. then, yeah, absolutely this does count as a hidden gem. I'm not going to say that it's not. Uh, I just think I had a lot of fun with the game, mm-hmm. but I can see the flaws <laughs> and like the things that I had fun with. I can see other people hating. Right. Uh, but it is it to me. This game is fascinating. Uh, and I think to start, we should talk about. You mentioned like I don't know if this was advertised as a horror game. Mm-hmm. I also don't know if it was advertised <laughs> as a horror game. Uh, but it is. Uh, it's tango game works mm-hmm. uh the development team who did the evil within games right uh and i believe it was directed by shinji mikami yes of resident fucking evil <laughs> one fame yeah i think this is just his development studio yeah yeah and i don't know if he actually directed this game or if he's just t- tied in as a producer i remember seeing his name in the credits and making a note of it mm-hmm. uh so like the horror pedigree is definitely there. And the game obviously does have horror elements, considering you fight ghosts in it. Right. Yeah, it kind of struck me as one of those games. Some, like, Bloodborne's not the best comparison, but, like, a but game... I, but I will allow a Bloodborne yeah. comparison no matter what. <laughs> but, like, a game that you, isn't really horror, but uses, like, horror aesthetics. Yeah. Uh, but this does actually have a few, like, horror moments. And I think them being so spread out uh, makes them more... Maybe not more effective, but very effective. Yeah, I think we do could show we up. could combine a couple of points here uh, because I think the horror moments are especially good in the indoor spaces, mm-hmm. the the enclosed parts of the game, uh, and don't work. I would argue probably at all in the open world. Mm-hmm. It's hard to be startled when you can just like fly up to a building. Right. I always found. <laughs> 
the ghost parades to be kind of scary. Yeah, for sure. When you just like when you don't notice them till like you just like look over and there's like a giant ghost cat walking down the street <laughs> or whatever. You're like, oh fuck. Yeah, yeah, get the fuck out of yeah, there. The creepy music comes in and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's extremely good. Did you ever get captured by one? Uh, I mean, does does it really count as being captured if you walk right towards it, wanting to fight all the ghosts? Uh, yes. Okay, well then, yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, uh, like two it, or three. It takes away a bit from the horror in the overworld <laughs> when you've gone in and just fought a bunch of guys. Yeah, like, I I don't know if it's just I uh, like an RNG thing or like I just I didn't find that many. Right. So anytime they cropped up, it was always like a surprise. Yeah. And that's fair. And it is RNG. There's actually a way that you can, if you uh, pray at the boxes, mm-hmm. there's going to be <laughs> some things I'm not going to know the name of. Right. Uh, namely anything. So just, <laughs> you're going to have to bear with me. Uh, yeah. The shrines. Yeah. the sh- if, But if, yeah, if you're at a shrine that has one of those prayer boxes, you can like pay to make it more likely to run into the parade. Uh, okay. But it uses the name of the parade. So at first I had no idea what it was. Uh, it was only later when I got like one of the KK investigations or something uh, that used the term that I actually put two and two together and realized that I'd been pe- I'd been praying to run into one of those uh, <laughs> right. parades. Something I never do in real life. Right. Uh, but yeah, that's <laughs> it. Is interesting because like the game itself starts out like the first twenty minutes of this game reek of Tango Game Works like way over the top like. Uh, horror pastiche sort of like the way if you played the original if you played the first 10 minutes of the original uh the evil within it is like they said this is a game that's supposed to be like horror movies and so they like throw you down a chute into a pool of blood and there's a guy <laughs> with a chainsaw there and you're like okay that makes sense this one's like we're doing uh, like a go- a haunted ghost thing, and so they put you in a city, and they turn every single living thing into a ghost. <laughs> so it was very like, uh, it's got like to me, it felt like the same energy uh, going in. This is notably a teen rated game, so no pools of blood, but <laughs> right, yeah, it, it felt definitely like similar energy, but like a lot more toned down. Uh, like this does have like an like a. A weird sci-fi concept, but it's not even anywhere close to as like, <laughs> o- like overly high concept as the Evil Within. Yeah, that's correct. It's like way more digestible <laughs> and understandable. Yeah, the T stands for toned down. Yeah, that, so that is what they did to make this game a little bit more uh, grounded. Mm-hmm. I would say, uh, ironically, considering that you literally can fly in this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, that's to me like that that first couple of like the the first part of this game. Mm-hmm. I remember playing and then coming out and be like, I think we got something special here. <laughs> yeah, because it really did like draw me in. It was something that it was just so weird that I was very into it, and I just liked the the merging sort of of the cultural influence with the. Like, honestly, very gorgeously rendered modern Tokyo City. Uh, I felt like everything just looked really good, and the all of the juxtapositions were in place, and I liked fighting the ghosts, and I was like, this could be great. Uh, and it wasn't until later that I 
kind of wish that they had curbed some stuff back a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think the hospital part at the beginning is pretty strong. For sure. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I I think those indoor spaces really, like, shine. Um, And I think they're in there just enough. Like, I think, like, the ratio of, like, running around Tokyo and then going inside buildings is, like, pretty well balanced. Yeah, I would agree. I I think, depending on how much of the, like open world style content you do Mm -hmm. uh the that stuff i think this game probably shines on a pretty straightforward playthrough like if you just sort of do the missions and like some stuff as you run across it right uh if you do what i did which was play like all of the content because you didn't have anything else to do with your time Mm -hmm. then it does feel like the open world gets in the way of itself a lot uh, you just run around doing shit. Yeah, like, I was doing all the side quests until like the last third ish, mm-hmm. and part that was partially just because I wanted to finish it. Yeah. But also, like, I, I feel like that was around the point when it was like, okay, like every apartment looks the same. <laughs> you know, like I think the the side quest design is actually really good. Yeah. Um. And yeah, like. It says a lot that, like, it took that long for, like, the reuse of art assets to feel like it mattered. Right. Yeah. Psychoist design is something we could talk about, I think, um, and lead potentially into talking about sort of the open world generally. I, I think when you're making a game like this, uh, like an open world game with side quests, you really have, like, there are two kinds of side quests that are good. Uh, one of them is, is are side quests that are genuinely well written that provide like story content these are things that like near automata was good at uh and then you have quests that are like short quick and punchy and do a lot of uh sort of like flavorful things in a brief period of time and i think that's what this game really does it has a few longer quests that are good but most of them are like pretty quick go here do this there's a little story involved uh, and they tie it in well, like with the one of the main characters being like a a paranormal investigator, so he's able to like discern what the fuck is going on, mm-hmm. and then you just quickly do a thing. So I, I do agree with you. I think the side quests are well designed in this game. Yeah, yeah, like they're they're all like a like just like a like contained little or most of them are like a contained little narrative, or you like go into a house where. Like somebody was essentially like cursed or whatever, and their like spirit can't move on, and you had to like figure out what it is. Uh, sometimes it's like a malevolent spirit. Sometimes it's just like a yokai fucking around. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they they managed to like all the ones that I did manage to be like entertain genuinely entertaining and cool. Sometimes you just have to bring two rolls of toilet paper to somebody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the ghost is just shitting its brains out, and yeah. you just have to bring it two rolls of toilet paper. Definitely, that one's worth doing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, I did remember it. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's like that one, the one with the uh, the piano prodigy mm-hmm. kid. Uh, with the painting, yeah. Yeah, those really stood out to me. And then, obviously, the school one. Uh, the school one. Which one is that? The one with the school that I specifically told you to do. Oh, shit. <laughs> and you were like, I definitely won't forget to do it. Ah. <sighs> I don't know if I did it or not. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you would know. The How school, far into the game is it? I want to say it's like at the very beginning of Act 
three. Uh, okay, then I definitely am more likely to have skipped it. Okay. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> uh, it's very important to me, so I'm just going to run through it now. Uh-huh. I have a theory with this game, because one of the people that I talked to just trying to read the room on like what people knew about the game mm-hmm. was that when this game came out, people didn't like it. They said it was a shit bad game that sucked. <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh, that's interesting, because I didn't hear anybody say anything about this game. And he was like, oh, yeah, it was all over. People were like, the game sucks. Breaking <laughs> news. Headline news. Ghostwire Tokyo blows ass. I was like, that's not good. Uh and I just, like, maybe a day later, did this quest in the school that completely fucking knocked my socks off. Like, it's my favorite piece of content in the entire game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, it's insane to me because it felt like they really hit their stride. It was like, this is exactly what the whole game could have been like and maybe should have been like. Mm-hmm. And it would have, I think, kept intrigue for longer without having to resort to a bunch of collectibles and stuff, which I generally am not a big fan of. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it was like this whole thing. And then I, I checked uh, something. I think it was like the achievement list or whatever. And the whole school quest, which is like two very long quests, mm. was added as a free update oh. in the spider's thread update okay and i was like oh shit like is this a miniature a microcosm of the no man's sky thing did they release a game that wasn't very good <laughs> and then make it good later and nobody fucking knew because they all played it when it came out, said that they didn't like it, and spread the word that it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. And then no one played the actual good content. And I'm not convinced that that didn't happen. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But I don't know. I haven't re- even going into it now. It seems like there are a few communities who have like picked the game back up and have enjoyed it, but I really haven't seen like, it's got positive reviews on steam and shit, Mm -hmm. but like, I haven't heard anybody say anything even post update. Right. Uh, But yeah. Yeah. I remember there was a point where it said like that. I could now play the spiders thread, whatever, whatever content. And I was like, I don't know what that means. Well, that just kept playing the game. (laughs) When it says that it's talking about the, there's a roguelike, Mm. bonus mode okay which i'll get it's a very like the past five to ten years of games thing to me where a game that is just a game that you would play regularly Mm -hmm. then they gotta add like a multiplayer and endless mode yeah but the multiplayer part seems to have fallen away back in the day that's what you always got fucking last of us one had a multiplayer mode for like no good reason uh, but now it's like like this and like Prey have these roguelike modes mm. that are just sort of like, ta- well, Prey's is not tacked on, it's a DLC, but like, it's weird that this keeps happening, <laughs> but I didn't touch the spider's threat, so I have nothing, mm. I have no idea what it is. Um, but yeah, but they added quests and skills and shit to the mm. main game as well, so, uh, and like some of it seems a bit excessive, but for the most part, I think it's all bit positive additions like everything that i'm aware of that is an addition to uh with that update made the game better at least in my opinion Mm -hmm. so it's weird like i think if you listened this far in because maybe you played the game at launch or whatever and thought it was poo poo bad (laughs) 
and want to give it another try with the new update, I think it makes it better. I think it's good shit. Yeah, I, I have no concept of what was added <laughs> at all. Yeah, it wasn't until I did that school quest that I like did a deep dive into what was actually added. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know specifically what skills. I just know, because I maxed out all the skills, that the first, at one point, I got the one for getting all the new skills. Uh-huh. And then later, I got the one for getting all the regular skills. Right. So who fucking knows? There isn't like a symbol or something. Right. Uh, so do you want to talk about that quest or do you not want to spoil it? No, I, I want to spoil it. So spoilers yeah. for the best quest in the game. All right. uh, and there's really one major reason why it's the best quest in the game. Uh, but it sets up this thing where there's like a, a paranormal investigation club at the middle school. Mm. It's like a bunch of little kids. You like run into one of their parents and they're like, my kid doesn't come back from school. Everyone's dead, and everyone's sense of time is weird, but it makes all of the quests seem like you're just, like, strolling around on, in the afternoon, and somebody's like, my cat is up a tree. Uh-huh. It's the, the, <laughs> the tone of everything in this game is extremely odd. Yeah, everyone's, like, stuck. It's like they're stuck in a time loop. Mm-hmm. And just, they yeah. don't know that they're dead. Which could be what them. they're going for. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so he... he uh, <laughs> He says that, you know, like his son went to this school and whatever. You go in there and you fight a bunch of dudes and there's corruption on the school. Uh, corruption is like a thing that they use to block your path all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you bust up the corruption, you go into the school and the school has its own map and is like four levels and a gym. And they have like, uh, they're separated and they block off different ways. And there's a bunch of classrooms. Most of the classrooms look the same. The school layout is not what makes the the school part good. Uh-huh. They can get away with it all looking very similar because it is a school. <laughs> but it does feel like a big zone that probably could have been smaller. Either way, you're tasked with like finding these several symbols because the Paranormal Investigation Club, like, idolize KK and mm. are trying to like do something and they got these symbols that they thought were going to like grant their wishes but it actually summoned a demon lady mm. uh, and so you have to like find the seals and then there's a boss fight on the roof with like a 40 foot tall lady uh, <laughs> <laughs> where you break mirrors and seal her back into the nether realm uh, but what's awesome about it is that on one of the floors uh, there's like an anatomy lab and there's a character called Gutsy, who's like a like an anatomy model, like a guy, and like with a cross section in his stomach that shows like where all of his organs and shit are. And he follows you around when you aren't looking at him. Uh, it's like the only not regular enemy guy who moves and interacts with you in the whole game, and. He moves real fast, is creepy looking in the dark, and when he catches you, he, like, wraps his body around you and then carries you back to a start. Like, it doesn't kill you, it's Mm. just, like, a reset. And you have to search a library for books. So you have to be looking at the shelves and then, like, look back over and see where Gutsy's at. Mm -hmm. And, like, you think you'll, like, stop him by putting a door in in the way, and then you look away... And, like, he bangs on the door, and you're like, ah, I got you, Gutsy, now I can go find the books in peace. But then he, like, busts through the door, the door just gets destroyed, Mm -hmm. and he follows you into the library. It's like, 
it's such an effectively scary thing, like in a way that I was surprised by because mm. I play shitloads of horror games all the time. It's so well done. And the quest goes on and on. Like, that's just like a part of it that is great that I loved. But you go through the whole process and you seal the lady away. And then there's another person who's like, oh, the, when they made this pact that summoned the demon, another like entity took some of them with them, like in exchange. Mm. And so you have to like free the souls of the other kids by going through this whole thing that has you going through like alternate dimensions where there's like characters that you can't look at or else it hurts you. It's like new mechanics and like a whole new map and a bunch of different shit. And it's all indoors and it's mm. not in the big open world. And you're not picking up souls. Well, there's some <laughs> souls to pick up in the school, but it's not yeah. that many. Uh, and so it, it just felt like such a, especially where it comes in the game, it feels like such a relief to get this like big thing Mm-hmm. that's really well executed, has genuinely scary moments, has a good story attached to it, all at once uh, it, to break up all of the open world shit. And if you look at the game as a whole, like the overarching sort of plot, it does do like a linear section and then a just a huge amount of open world mm-hmm. and then a real short linear section to end the game. And it needed this in the middle of that to break up all the open world stuff because it gets very tedious. Mm-hmm. And that is why I love this quest. Uh, what are we talking about next? <laughs> uh, that does sound pretty rad. Yeah, it's great. I wish I would not have missed it. Uh-huh. I t- you know, I did my best. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think I ever found like the character that gave me the quest. Right. Or I would have done it, for sure. Uh but yeah, <laughs> wish I could comment on it. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the open world, just generally? Uh, I don't. I I I like that it's broken up with the fog. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it 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 keeps it from like feeling less like an open world, at least to me, and more like. I don't know. It almost kind of feels like a last gen like game with more like just like a big zones. Like it felt more like broken up because of the fog. You know, like a big rooms it, game. Not quite a big, not a big rooms <laughs> game, but like uh like something like I think Dragon Age Inquisition mm. had like it's like an open world game, but it it's broken up into like five different like big maps. Gotcha. They're yeah. not all connected. It felt like it had a little bit more of that energy because of like the way you had to like uncover the map uh because of the fog so it, it kept it from feeling like this like big sprawling thing where i was always getting distracted and like you know so i i i think it like it had a different flavor i think than your average open world that's fair i i think a big part of it and something that you called out early on uh is the fact that it is a city and it is expressly based on a real world city in the yeah, form of Tokyo. Yeah, I wonder how closely it resembles actual Tokyo. It's a very good question. Yeah, I mean Tokyo itself is is it's enormous, fucking huge. Yeah. yeah, but this is Akihabara, I think, mm-hmm. uh, is like specifically the district that it is is trying to be. Uh, I didn't pull up a map to check to see if they're similar, but it gives the impression that I get. When I see an anime, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> which is really the best. It has Akihabara Crossing in it, which I know is like famous, and mm-hmm. I have like at least a reasonable picture in my mind of what that is like. Uh, so I think they probably tried to do it at least. They probably did it about as well as like Spider Man Two on the PlayStation Two did New York, <laughs> which would... is like surprisingly <laughs> well for what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I think you called it out earlier, but it does look nice. Um, it's like got all the nice like reflections. It rains a lot. I think that's like a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I I liked it. Yeah the the world itself, I'm a big fan of. Um, I think one of the coolest things, and I don't know when we want to talk about this, that the game does is the fact that it incorporates Japanese culture like literally into the game. Like mm-hmm. it's not using it as inspiration to do things. It's just like, this is a sandwich Japanese people can eat from a store. Mm -hmm. Here's a description of it and what it generally tastes like. Uh, I wonder what that's like for a (laughs) Japanese audience to play. Yeah, like if you were playing Castlevania and you picked up the chicken and it gave you a... A description of what chicken is? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like it would feel... It would just feel like a lot of text that didn't need to be there. Mm-hmm. So probably around <laughs> similar to that. Yeah, it just seemed kind of strange when you think about it that way. No, I agree with you. Uh, and it's especially interesting because the entire game is in Japanese. And so if you're a Japanese, a native Japanese speaker, then you're playing this game that feels like it's just made for you, right? It's in your language. Uh, and then it and then it it game explains to you <laughs> what like a, a, a the the fish chocolate pastry is right and you're like obviously I know what this is um but yeah I think I think that the literal Japanese culture in the game is one of the coolest things that it does not because it's particularly inspired but because as a Westerner it's actually informative. Like mm-hmm. it's a cool thing for me to learn. So uh, seeing Tokyo as like the game world makes all of that sort of like fit in better to me. And mm-hmm. so I agree with you. I think that the, the, the city of Tokyo itself as the game world is great. Yeah. And like, I think the scale feels like just right. Like there's something that's really immersive about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I like the, uh, the, the incorporation of like yokai uh, because like I've seen them pop up in other things, like I've seen the umbrella with the eyeball on it, and several different things. Yeah. Um, but like seeing them actually like incorporated in like the more like, uh, like their folklore contexts, you know, like actually in Tokyo was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, and the fucking big wall yokai. Yeah, the... it's like my new favorite thing, <laughs> and <laughs> just real cool. Fake wall, the yokai. Yep, it's. Uh, I finally understand illusory walls. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But yeah, it isn't the. It isn't the world, like the actual city, that I take issue with in the game. It is more the way that they incorporate the open world mechanics into it. Mm-hmm. I I just feel like there. We'll talk about like actual mechanics here in a second potentially on the next half we'll Mm -hmm. figure something out uh but the fact that you jump into the world and it has it has everything 
in it. All of the tropes <laughs> of open world games are here. You have like the Ubisoft towers in the form of the gates, mm-hmm. and there's like fucking uh, collectible coins that are the spirits, and you have like a wallet in the spirit containers that you have to buy to expand your maximum spirit capacity. Mm-hmm. And you exchange them for experience points and money and phone booths that are all over the place. There's vending machines. There's shops. Uh, There's just, like, every fucking thing. And your map (laughs) is a disaster to look at because there's, like, trillions of icons. Thankfully, you can filter it. But, Mm -hmm. good God. There's just, like, so much going on. It felt like they didn't really pick and choose what to do with the open world. They just supermarket swept every (laughs) single thing off the open world shelf into their cart. And it got a little bit overwhelming is I guess how I would put it. Uh, But notably uh, no crafting. There is no craft. Well, correct. There's no crafting. (laughs) I had to think about it for a second. It's in fact surprising to me that there is a crafting. Uh, So that is good. That's Mm -hmm. a positive. Uh, but yeah, it has, I don't know, it just has, like, so much to do. And I spent a good amount of time, like, I I did all the yokai, I did all the spirits, I didn't do all the spirits, I did up to 100% of the spirits, uh, and I did all the side quests and stuff, uh, but even then it was like, I'm not gonna look around the whole city for a prop with a raccoon tail. Right. That's insanity. <laughs> I don't have time for that. Uh... And I had time for crazy shit, and I don't have time for that. Like, it's, it's a, it is just, there's just so much that it, it, I think the scale of the city is good for exploration, mm-hmm. but the scale of the city is almost too small for the amount of things they jam-packed into it. Yeah, I didn't uh, come anywhere close to, like, trying to do everything, so I think it kind of landed a little bit better for me. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, I feel like that's an interesting, like, uh, problem for game developers. If you make an open world game where it's like, you feel like you have to put in a bunch of stuff for the people who are the kind of people that want to do everything. (laughs) Uh, But if you're somebody who, like, doesn't feel compelled to do everything, it makes it feel like, that makes the world feel more, like, alive. Because there's always, like, more stuff to go do. Yeah. I... Do we know how the information became publicly known that there were, like, 900 Koroks in Breath of the Wild? Oh, I, I, I'm sure they said that yeah. in an interview. <laughs> or, like, somebody got them all mm-hmm. and they knew it was 900. Um, there's, are, do they make game guides anymore? That's I don't a, know. <laughs> was there a Brady Games Breath of the Wild? <laughs> yeah, there's a Prima Strategy Guide that says it. I don't know. The totally unofficial guide to Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. I think whatever happened there, because everyone you talk to knows yeah. that there's 900 Koroks, or that there's, like, more Koroks than they would ever consider getting. Right. I think that that is a model that you should follow when you're making a game like this. If you're going to put a lot of a collectible in something, mm-hmm. just tell the player, like, hey, this is too much for you to get all of. We just put it here to fill space. Yeah. And to me, the spirits feel like a, like they want you to hate yourself. 
Because it felt like Koroks, where it was like, you if you run up the, a building, there's a spirit there. Yeah, there's, there's just a fucking billion of them everywhere. <laughs> yeah, if you look over the horizon, it's just yeah, like spirits you forever. Use your lo- you use your Witcher senses, and you can just see... <laughs> Tons of them illuminate in the distance. Yeah, there's like billions of them everywhere. There's even a little like a prayer bead you can get mm-hmm. that will point you to the closest one as if you need it. <laughs> <laughs> and there's so fucking many of them. And I wish that they were like Koroks, where you just got them and they provided a little bit of the benefit in right. the form of the experience and the uh, and the catch. There, there's a level cap in this game. Mm. It's like 51 or something. Like after you hit that, you cannot. No more experience is gained. Right. So if you go for a hundred percent spirits, which I do not recommend you do, you go way beyond the level cap. <laughs> it's totally unnecessary to get them from a mechanical standpoint. Mm-hmm. But it gives you a number every time that you pick up the phone, and that number is like two hundred and fourteen thousand. Right. You get them like a hundred at a time, so it's like an obviously inflated number, but it's it is a number and a percentage of how right. much you have like to someone like me that calls to you to finish it yeah 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 no i i felt like that com- compelled to do it a little bit as well cuz like they even break it down into like areas yeah where it tells you how many you've gotten in a particular area so yeah it it does it does appeal to that like part of your brain, but like I just I I'm that kind of person where there's like a clean break, mm-hmm. <laughs> or I'm like I'm just not gonna do that. Yeah, at a certain point, I just say uh, my vote is they should have taken the percentage and number away. Yeah, probably, <laughs> and just been like, oh hey, you got some sp- now you're at the level cap. Don't even bother with them anymore. They leave it even ambiguous as to whether or not they like respawn. Right. Like, they don't, but, like, would you really notice if they did? Uh, it'd be hard to tell. So, yeah, it to me, it just feels like there's some stuff in there that's just to, you know, make the game longer. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely padding in it. Yeah. Uh, and it's, like, weird, because it's not like, oh, if they had fixed that, if they had made it less of, like, a slog to do stuff, or if they'd given you more of a mechanical reward for doing this or that. That it would, oh, the game would be perfect then. Mm-hmm. It's just like these little things that sort of like pick at my brain. Yeah, and it's like, and it's also like, like a fifteen-hour game if you just played through the main story. Yeah. So it feels like it makes it feel like the amount of extra content in there like really stand out. It's like this didn't need to be here. Like. <laughs> I you don't need to make the 15 hour game last 50 hours. Yeah. But that's also our like fucking rallying cry. I get but like <laughs> if if like the if it's like something like a Skyrim or whatever mm-hmm. that's like specifically designed for you to play it for like 150 hours, I think that's like a different thing. Right. Than like having like a like, 15-hour story, and then just being like, hey, also, there's open-world stuff to do. <laughs> right. Yeah, when you play a Skyrim or, like, a Elden Ring, or, like, we just were talking about Breath of the Wild, the open world is more like a part of it. Yeah, that, like, is the game. Yeah, and the, in this game, it really is just, like, a locale. Yeah. There's, there's not much that forces you to explore it. You can just go waypoint to waypoint and not even worry about it, for the most part. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, was there a mini map? There is a mini map. Did you turn it off? I did not turn it off. Okay, I don't this know is, if you can. This is I didn't even look. Like this is very much the kind of game that like you'd be lost instantaneously if you tried to play with it off. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Uh, blame it on it being summer and it's like kind of warm in here. Uh, but we're going to take a break. break. Yeah, that could have been. That could have been more. <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah. After the break. break. Yeah. And we're back. Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. Here we are. <laughs> uh, I teased a bit that we were going to talk about the game mechanics uh-huh. at, on the second half, which we somehow didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here goes. <laughs> Uh, the game, uh, to me, has two modes mm-hmm. a- a- of operation. One of them is fight a guy. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> and then the other one is move around like an insane person. Right. Uh, the And the fight a guy mechanics are, like, okay to me. Like, they don't, they're not particularly special, despite having a unique spin on the FPS formula, so mm-hmm. to speak. Uh, but the movement mechanics are fucking crazy, uh, in a way that is, it's unintuitive, not because the controls are difficult to master or that like, there's a lot of tricks to the movement. It's just, it doesn't make sense that a human person would be doing the things that you do in the game. Mm -hmm. And it, uh, you have a lot more mobility than you would imagine. Uh, when you start out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it ended up being kind of one of my favorite parts of the game in a weird way. Uh, so let's just talk about those real fast, and then we'll get into the rest of it. Cause... You mean like the dodges and stuff that you can do? Sort of. It's like the dodging, you can fly. the fact that you can fly, the fact that you can climb things that are like three times mm-hmm. taller than you just by jumping at them. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't feel it's intentional It's in some ways. Like... It feels like you're cheating when you fly toward a building, don't get anywhere close to the top of it, and then you're just like, oh, and you just sort of hoist yourself up. Uh, and then the the stealth kills mm. and stuff. I don't know if you got the ability uh, that lets you kill from above. Yeah, I did. It is so broken. <laughs> like, And in a really good way, it makes you feel cool to do. Uh, but it's just like, the movement is so insane. Like there was a point in the game where I had the ability to summon the Tengu Mm. to pull yourself up to a a rooftop. And so combat was not participate in combat. It was (laughs) how can I kill everything without them ever even knowing I was there? Uh, and it's, and it was interesting. It made it more of a puzzle to me to like figure out my angles and attack from the sky and use like the chain attack to kill multiple of them in a row. Uh, And I found that to be actually really engaging in a way that almost doesn't feel like it's the way the game was meant to be like, or like intended at least. Uh, But it felt like you were really thinking outside the box Mm -hmm. and making the game easier on you, even though it doesn't really need to be. Uh, I don't know if you had that experience, but the movement, I guess because I spent so much time in the open world, Mm -hmm. really became like a source of most of my enjoyment. Yeah. 
I didn't really get into that kind of stuff till like more towards the end. Right. Uh, like I felt like there weren't really that many Tengu around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't really like. I was pretty far into the game before I ever even used that aerial attack. Right. I was like, oh, it, it is really good. Uh, like I also forgot like stealth kills were even a thing. Like I got to like oh so far and I had trouble on like a, an encounter and I'm like. Oh, yeah, I can, like, sneak up behind him. Like, that's going to make this a lot easier. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it has, like, the kind of... not. It's not a problem, but at least for a player like me who's less inclined to just, like, bust the system open from the get-go, <laughs> uh, I, it, I ended up, like, not... Just playing it, like, very straightforwardly for a big chunk of it before I ever, like, found out all the cool shit you could do. Yeah. The ability, importantly, the ability to, uh, like, the essentially the grapple ability, like, yeah, cr- yeah. to spawn a Tengu and then jump to it, mm-hmm. is, it's locked behind, the skill tree in this game is, is a classic skill tree. Got a bunch of different abilities, and they have little upgrade nodes, so you can, like, make your abilities better, usually once, sometimes twice. And then in the combat abilities, you can, there's, like, branching paths and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not super deep, but it is, like, there. There's stuff you can do. Yes. Uh, And some of them are locked behind these other collectibles, which is another thing I've seen in a million games, where you get these collectibles from doing particular side quests, and you use them to unlock nodes, which then allow you to get upgrades. And the upgrade is behind seven of them, which is the highest number of anything in the tree. Right. And to me, what that said was, this is a very good ability. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So it was the first one that I got. I did not spend any Magatama on anything until I had that ability. Right. And so I had that very early comparatively to, like, I would imagine most people did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never got it. Right, yeah. I imagine most people yeah. who played the game probably don't get it. Uh, and it, it does, it just cracks the game wide open. Like, it makes it insane, like, with in combination with the aerial kill move. You can take on almost any encounter by killing most of them instantly before you have to fire a shot. Yeah, like, I also, like, didn't block all that much. Oh, me neither, actually. Yeah, like, <laughs> until, like, the last, like, couple of bosses, like, I started doing it, and, like, the, uh, like, the perfect timed block is actually pretty easy to do. Right. And it was, like, super satisfying, and it gives you, like, uh, magic or whatever back. Yeah. Essence, essence, maybe? Yeah, I don't that, remember. that is what it's called. Okay. It gives you essence back, and I'm like, oh, this is, like, really satisfying. It's like, it's <laughs> felt like like the game like the basic enemies didn't really encourage you or at least me to really do any of that stuff yeah that's actually a great thing to move on to is like i think that generally speaking the game might be slightly too easy yeah i think i died like three or four times (laughs) yeah it was not a lot for sure did you fight any of the the whirling umbrella razor murderers. I don't think so, based (laughs) on that description. I know that those were DLC Mm. enemies, uh, but they they appear, like, in a couple of places. I know there's a few Tory gates where there's just one there. They're, like, a red thing. I think it might be supposed to be a woman in a dress. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. But they spin around... 
and fly toward you, and they'll like throw these arcing projectiles okay. at you. I feel like I do remember a woman in a red dress. There's a woman in a red dress with a with a big pair of scissors. Yeah, as okay, well. I'm thinking of that. Yeah, that's a different one. Uh, the other ones, they're a DLC enemy. They only show up in certain spots, but they are they are fucking hard. Like yeah. <laughs> actually, a difficult enemy that you run into. Most of the other enemies do not require all that much strategy to take down. Yeah, there was this one encounter like late in the game after you go get the, the spirit world oil <laughs> for the ghost bike. Yeah, of course, uh, as you do. <laughs> uh, um, and you come back and. Um, Akito is like, oh, like, all oh, the corruption's back. And then you just, like, a fucking scissor lady just charges at you. And there's, like, <laughs> two other, like, siren girls with the big hair. Yep, and I, I was like, this. holy fuck. <laughs> like, I just got, like, obliterated. And then, like, one of the scissor women, like, pulled uh, KK out of me. Right. Which I didn't know regular enemies could do. I didn't either. Uh, and I was like, oh, like, what the fuck? Like, why is this the <laughs> hardest thing in the game by, like, a huge margin? Like, I think that was harder than the final boss for me. Yeah, I died there as well. I didn't actually get... I don't think I died. Oh, okay. But I did almost. <laughs> I was running around and, like, having to, like, find shit to break to get more magic or essence. Yeah. Uh, so I was just, like, scrambling for, like, fucking ten minutes <laughs> trying to beat that. Yeah, it's real weird. And, and those enemies in particular, like, they're only really threatening if you're... If you don't have a lot of space, because if you can just run, and this is true of all the enemies, if you can just run away and shoot them, they don't. There's no chance that they'll ever catch you. Yeah, and like the um, the stun like paper, the talismans. Yeah, yeah. uh, are is really good against them, and I didn't have any. I was like, that's usually like my go-to. If something's giving me trouble, you just fucking paralyze it. (laughs) Yeah, the paralyze is great. the The one that just exposes cores is mm. really good. The thicket talisman is surprisingly oh, yeah. good. I I used that like a couple of times, and it didn't really seem to do anything. <laughs> you have to. It's weird because the game has stealth in the way that a game that isn't about stealth has stealth. Right, there's like tall grass. You yeah. crouch in it. You crouch down in it. Invisible. You're fucking invisible. Nobody knows you're there. Yeah. Uh, so it's really amusing that that works. But I didn't really use the talismans all that much. I, when I did, when I started to, I regretted not using them yeah, earlier. They're really good, yeah. Just very strong. Um, they, yeah, totally expectedly, but kind of disappointingly <laughs> don't work on bosses. Right, yeah. I mean, there is, uh, there's one that I used on the final boss that I didn't use anywhere else in the game. Was it like an updraft one? No, that's the one that makes you jump, but the, right. the wellspring, the uh, one that okay. just generates essence in mm. an area. Uh, that one is good for, basically, I think, just the final boss, because yeah. it just le- leaves you alone for a long time, so you can just put it down and yeah. sit and regen ammo. Um well, yeah, Talisman's surprisingly good. The bow does a shitload of damage. Yeah. Like, it's great as a weapon, but you'll never use yeah. it. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about the bow. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, it does do a lot of damage. And um, I feel like the bow feels kind of, like, slow and not clunky, but, like, you know, I don't know, just not satisfying to use. Right. Um, and they do, they have multiple parts where they take uh, KK away from you. Uh, which is a thing I think they only should have done one time, because I think when you do it multiple times, it like loses its impact completely. Yeah. Um, and it kind of feels like 
in playtesting, maybe nobody used the bow, so they felt like they had to make you do it. Um, Seems likely. But yeah, like I, it just feels like it's so tacked on to me. Like it, it really does. It it does do a lot of damage, which makes it have a use. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but like it really doesn't feel like it adds anything to the game. Yeah, it it. I guess it could also you could see it as a, like a potential money sink. If you do use it a lot, you have to buy arrows for it. Right. It only holds like yeah, ten you, at a time. Yeah, like that. Even even just that would have helped a lot if there were just ever arrow pickups in, right. the, in the world. Like they're so rare. You're like I could use the bow here, but what if I really need to use the bow and <laughs> Wait, don't have exact, any arrows? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, you almost never run across arrows, just like you almost never run across talismans. The talismans even have their own little, like, pickup boxes. Oh, I didn't even know you can get them in the world. Yeah, they'll, they'll be in, like, these little wooden boxes that you, like, slide the top off of and ah, pull one out. Weird. Extremely weird. Yeah, I always just bought them from the cat. Yeah, merchants. exactly. Yeah. But they made an asset for it, and then they put, like, ten of them <laughs> in the entirety of Tokyo. <laughs> It's extremely strange. Uh, and yeah, it feels like all of those, like, the side weapons that aren't, like, your your elemental weaving attacks mm-hmm. uh, feel very afterthought-like. Both because, as a player, they're not going to be the first tool that you turn to, mm-hmm. and also because they're just, like, really strong, mostly. Like, and for reasons that don't seem like they quite warrant it. Uh yeah, I don't know. The the combat in the game, which we'll talk about right now, mm-hmm. uh, is overall, I think, <laughs> it's interesting. I don't dislike it. I also don't think it's the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it's very middle of the road as far as like shooter mechanics go, but it does have some interesting twists that I, I think are worth mentioning. Like, the, the way that you kill enemies in the game is... You hit them with your shit enough that it, like, tears open a hole in them. Uh, and then you pull out the core using, like, crazy your hand ghost motions. wires? Yeah, the ghost wire, The titular ghost wires. Mm-hmm. Um, and in it, a really cool animation. It's so sick. It's maybe the my favorite thing that this game shares in common with Hilux. <laughs> right. A great hand cool animations. Hand animations. <laughs> <laughs> uh... But yeah, it's it's weird because like there are a few things like I think if you hit enemies in the head, it deals more damage. It does that with the bow. I know that. Yeah, but you would mostly just want to hit him in the chest because that's how you expose the core. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I could never really tell because um, like I was playing with a controller, so I don't know if that affects it at all. But like. Sometimes you just like blast them in the legs, you know, and like that that seems to work just as well. Like I don't think you have to keep specifically hitting the core to like bust it open. Yeah, I was not a hundred percent sure either. Yeah, like I it might make it faster if you keep hitting the same spot, but I don't know. Yeah. By the end of the game I remember I was wearing the the te- the prayer beads that increase the damage of like basically all three of my elemental types uh-huh. and very frequently things would just die before <laughs> the the core would get exposed if i ever used the water or fire yeah like you would hit something once and it would just fucking fall down <laughs> yeah the fire <laughs> Is a good one, yeah. You just knock them over, and then you run up, and you can do the quick... Yeah, like the melee one, yeah. yeah. Well, that is what normally would happen, but if you're you wearing just, the just level three outright. fire beads, it yeah. just murders them. 
Uh, which is just weird. Like, it feels, especially, like, your healing is often tied to it. Though we'll talk about healing items in a second. Uh, it's just, like, I don't know. To me, the biggest problem is I felt very little incentive to use anything other than wind unless I ran out of it. Yeah, like I the um the I liked that the water spell was good against the umbrellas. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. It actually made me switch to it on the big guys who will put the umbrella down. Right. Um so I thought that was cool, but yeah, like fire just felt like the I need to do a bunch of damage <laughs> spell. But yeah, like I used wind like 85% of the time. Yeah. Um so yeah, I was in the same boat. And there are those, uh, the Jizo statues uh-huh. uh, that you pray to, and then they give you... An extra charge. Yeah. And I thought I... I At one point, I had gotten so many of them for wind mm-hmm. that I thought that it just added it to whatever was currently equipped. Uh... So I was like, oh, shit, this is why I only have, like, six fire, and I've got, like, 42 <laughs> wind uh, bullets. And so I went and swapped to fire before I prayed to the next one, and it was also a wind one. Yeah. So they just put... A, they litter the place with wind ammo, and you do not get much for water or or fire. So they're like they feel very much like sidearms, things in the yeah, background yeah, yeah. that you switch to in specific yeah, situations. Like fire is your shotgun. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, water be your shotgun. I guess. Spread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you just mean it's very. It's because it's like the big blast. Yeah. yeah, it's like a rocket launcher. There you go. Yeah, grenade launcher. There we go. That is closer to what it actually is. Uh, in the charge-up form. Uh, yeah, charging, I didn't feel like was worth it a lot of the time. Same. Uh, it, it, it feels like there's so many systems working in the combat that just don't ever come up, really, for most players. Yeah, it's it's tough. Like this, I think this is true of a lot of games, where, like, it just always... Like it's even like a it's I even think it has like a term, but I don't know what it is. But like you, like if you just give the player an easy option that's effective, they'll just keep doing that. Yeah, uh, and it, it is hard to like design a combat system. It would seem to like actually get people to use all the abilities. Yeah, it's real strange how it always seems to happen. Yeah, uh, and this is one where it just doesn't feel like the. It was. It it doesn't really feel like they put in the effort. Not in a like. Oh, they were lazy. Like a. I think that they put these things in, and then their intent was for you to use wind mostly. Mm-hmm. Like I think a lot of the combat is just designed around that ability. Right. Uh, and yeah, but that it ends up being like your go-to thing in combat for most of the game, uh, which is a shame. For a few reasons, but mostly to me, I think that the enemy variety in this game, while not mechanically very strong, is visually incredible. I love every enemy design in this game. Mm -hmm. I think they all look really good. They evoke exactly what they're supposed to evoke uh, in, in terms of that, like, Japanese horror style. And it... And there's so many like little touches to it that that make me just really impressed. The enemies do different things when they're idling. Um, one of my favorite things is the melee 
grab. <laughs> There's a thunderstorm now to emphasize how scary the enemies are. Mm-hmm. Uh, the enemies will do different things when you're melee grabbing them. Yeah. Uh, and my personal favorite being the scissors lady. When you when you do the melee grab, she leans in with the scissors and is like gonna cut your head off until you pop the core out. Right. Uh, and it, like, sure, it, yes, it loses its impact after the first time it happens, but like, fuck, dude, that first time it happened, I was like, this is cool as hell. This is a great animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really loved all the enemies, and I wish that they could have maybe pushed you into fighting them in more different ways. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I, it makes me wonder, like, what like the basic enemies are based on. Because they just look like Slenderman with an umbrella. <laughs> uh, so, like, I wonder, like, what the actual, like, folklore or whatever that, like, the like the main, like, just, like, business guys right. are based on. Yeah, if you go through the codex, uh, it lists, like, all the characters and stuff. And in the, for, like, yokai and food and everything else in the game, it gives you, like, a description of like, the cultural context of the thing. Mm-hmm. For enemies, though, it just says, like, the the Umbrella Men were people who worked day jobs and hated it, mm-hmm. and they, they're lifeless drones that carry their whatever into the afterlife. Like, right. all of them are described in that way. It's like, oh, this kid is somebody who went to school and had a lot of expectations put on him, and it crushed them. Right. Did all the fucking, like, flip-kicking school children. <laughs> I mean, that's Aww. just Japan. You, know, you go yeah. there, and you just get your ass handed to you by children. <laughs> We're doing crazy With acrobatics. no heads. <laughs> no heads. Yeah, it's weird that they don't have heads, also. Like, that feels like it uh, should mean something. Yeah, kids are so empty-headed these days. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but, like, all the other enemy types... Have a head, yeah. So it's just weird. It's gotta have a Specifically, don't. Yeah, like there is something there. Probably, I just don't know what it is. Yeah. Oh yeah, we talk about the healing items. Yeah, I think it is a really cool idea to have healing items that permanently increase your health every time you use them. Uh, I wish that it mattered more, Mm -hmm. but. It was uh, it's a it's a system that I find cool and already like had brainstormed like <laughs> how what are some other cool ways this could be used like I found that to be really interesting. Then the healing item implementation itself was you never run out of it. it yes, yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, it, it feels like a very cool idea, but that's just like completely hollow. Mm-hmm. Like you never th- even think about how much health you have, or think you like make a decision where you're like, "Oh, I need to wait to eat food or, or anything like that." Yeah, uh, yeah, and you always have just like a billion food, <laughs> like I and which also led to me like almost never spending money. Like I had so yep. much money in this game too, uh, like. Yeah, the economy uh, of the Ghost Tokyo uh, not really doing so hot. No. I mean, I imagine that it's like real money in that it's real cheap to buy snack cakes and sodas. Right. And so <laughs> you just buy. But that's, it doesn't, it's not gameplay focused at all. It's weird how they did it. Like the things that are expensive 
are dumb shit mostly like soundtrack music Mm. which i don't know where that plays or (laughs) how you play it or anything like outfits it's a first person game so you never see them outside of your sleeves (laughs) it was really funny because like i put the paper hat on him and (laughs) like the dumb mask (laughs) and would forget that i had done that and then in the cutscenes, he has it on (laughs) yeah i had a uh, like a cow with a UFO abducting oh, yeah, it from his too, head. Yeah. yeah, I think they just like come with the game. Yeah. Uh, so I had the exact same experience where I was just like, "Oh right, I forgot <laughs> that I look like an idiot." Yeah, I usually don't do stuff like that because uh, like the novelty of a dumb looking character isn't as high to me as it is for some people. <laughs> but yeah, like I just I did it and then just would completely forget every time, and it was always amusing. Yep. Uh, but on the topic of the healing, I, right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I completely lost the plot as well. Yeah. Like I, it's once again, another g- game where healing, the way healing works just feels like such an afterthought. Mm-hmm. Like you just, you just hold triangle to heal and it's never a problem. At least you can't pause to heal. Yeah. That is good. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know make you like i don't know i don't know what would make it better but like if you had to like manage it as a resource more or like actually have to think about it ever in any way yeah that would be preferable one of the the weird things about it is the the spectral food nether dongos and shit <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> have uh buffs that they apply to you mm-hmm. and but the way that the system works is you just eat whatever random thing well true but also you have to select food to put it on your hot bar right if you don't do that it just auto selects whatever the next thing is but if you select a food like say i had the nether dongo uh-huh. and i ate one and it gave whatever the buff is for that i think it's like a perfect guard chance up or some shit I then, and I did experiment with this, if you then equip a different spectral food and eat it, the buff stacks. Mm. And so in theory, in like a difficult combat encounter, you might want to like eat multiple foods to get multiple buffs. But in order to do it, you have to pause the game, Mm. go to the thing, equip it, then eat the thing, because it only toggles between food, drink, and nether dongos. And so you have, like, it's, it's just... If the fact of the buff stack is an intentional thing and they want the player to make a decision based around it, they made it as inconvenient as possible to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 99% of players, and probably 100% of players, if I didn't specifically test that, You're right. would just use whatever's on the hot bar and not give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, I only did because I wanted to know. <laughs> uh, it, it is, it's weird. And... If you recall, in The Evil Within, uh, another Tango Gameworks game, they had the coffee pot that would heal you, but after you ate it, you would have to go on cooldown while it brewed another pot of coffee. Right. When they described it in the game, I thought that it was that. I thought that you would eat, and then you would be, like, full. Right. And then you would have to wait a period of time before you can eat there again. There is, like, a short uh, <laughs> cooldown time. It's, like, two seconds. It's like two seconds. And like, oh, okay. I haven't waited two seconds though, so like, <laughs> you know, there's some trade-offs, right? <laughs> it basically infinite health. Two seconds though. 
I don't know. It just felt like there were so many possible cool things with the health and the buffs and the three different kinds of food and uh, the the timer to before you can eat and just none of it was capitalized on. Yeah, it's it, it, in my head. It, it I feel like a system where maybe you like had like a certain amount of like quick menu slots mm-hmm. and then maybe if you were like at a phone booth or something like you could quickly access it and like you'd intentionally like put in what you wanted and then maybe you could like hotkey stuff like if i have blank <laughs> if i have nether dongos or whatever right. the fuck they're called that is put exactly those, put those called. in the slot like so you can automate it a little bit yeah something like that even like would i think be a lot better yeah just anything that would make the player feel like it wasn't yeah. just a catch-all. Yeah, and then in, like, in combat, you can't like open the menu and like put new stuff in. Like you just stuck with what you have until the next time you go to a phone booth or whatever. That would be good. There are a lot of things that could have been good, and they didn't do <laughs> any of them. It's inter- it's just weird because I think that there are interesting concepts here. They just didn't do much with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just kind of sad to me. Which is sort of the story of a lot of the game to me. Like, I feel like there's a lot of really interesting shit here that just gets drowned by other stuff. Um, one thing that I don't think did get... Well, I got a little drowned, honestly, with the big open world segments and all the side quests. Uh-huh. Uh, but the plot of the game is very straightforward mm-hmm. uh, as far as the story goes. Very not a lot refreshing, of refreshing, tw- yeah. Yeah, not a lot of <laughs> twists and turns. Very, like, just normal fucking story. I thought was real good. Mm-hmm. Not like I wouldn't read it as a book, but for a game plot in a game like this, I was intrigued. I wanted to know what was going on. I thought the acting was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the characters had growth. It's like the easiest growth in writing to be like, these guys hate each other. And now they're like best friends at the end. Mm-hmm. But you do feel the growth. You feel like them going through the motions, especially in combat and stuff when they like the barks between the two start to change and, and say different things. So I was actually really satisfied with the narrative content in the game. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Like 100%. It's, yeah, it's nothing like groundbreaking, but like it's got an interesting concept and it's like a well executed story you know like uh and yeah if it's the kind of story that does fit well in like a narrative driven uh video game and i think i don't what did you think generally speaking about the villain um i i guess it was disappointing (laughs) there's some there's definitely some he is the most like I am the most unsure about his character among all of the things. Yeah. Like he, he has like the cool, like he kind of seems like a cult leader. Like he's got like the, the mask and, but like, I don't know. He ends up like not really doing a whole lot. Like, uh, I don't, I feel like we talked about this in another game recently, but like, it felt like, Oh, it was resident evil eight. Oh, it felt like that. He just didn't have enough presence in the game, which is weird because like his face will show up everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like it just didn't feel like he was that big of a part of the narrative in the end. Mm-hmm. I really liked. So I do. What I liked about him was the first twenty minutes of the game, 
where uh-huh. he seems mysterious and, and they, menacing. Yeah, and they set up he has like this ability that where he like trans he well he basically murders he, you. He kind of feels like a Batman villain. Yeah. And then they just kind of drop the ball on that. But right. I continue. <laughs> yeah, he went from hush to hushed where he got put in the background. If I could print that on a t-shirt. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> so good. What a great joke. Um wow. Uh, uh, but yeah, he no like in the twenty minutes at the beginning of the game, he fucking kills you, and you and kidnaps your sister, and it's like oh shit, like this guy's serious business, and then he just sort of appears on TV screens and says uninspiring, mm-hmm. dumb shit about how our bodies are weak and shit. Yeah, I like that he is possessing KK's body as well. That's like a cool, super good, yeah, thing, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he just doesn't he doesn't exude menace during most of the game. And then at the end he's reduced to like a gibbering madman. Yeah. Uh so he's a regular Zant. He's kind of a Zant, yeah. <laughs> the- Menacing at the beginning and then But then there isn't like a bigger villain hiding behind that's him. True, that's he true. He literally is pushed down a hole <laughs> and then he climbs up and is like, Oh, you expected a final boss. So let's have yeah, it. <laughs> I actually wasn't. <laughs> fair. Yeah, because you you fight him or whatever, like the big werewolf kind of <laughs> version of you or whatever who shoots magic at you. Yeah. Uh, and then you do like a narrative sequence and I thought it was just going to end on that. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I was like, are we going to do a boss fight or not? <laughs> I'm unsure. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that ending sequence to an extent. Uh, like I kind of, I kind of do wish that there wasn't a final boss or that he wasn't explicitly tied to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he like stops time, which is crazy. It seems like he tried to stop time and it didn't work. <laughs> right. Is what seemed like happened to me, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Me neither, really. Uh, but yeah, he does like his like goal is to bring his his wife and kid back. Mm-hmm. And classic, classic. And there's a lot of narrative like meat to be gotten from that. But they don't really get much. Most of the good narrative stuff is the stuff between uh, Akito, mm-hmm. KK, and Rinko. Yes. Uh, and I think that that character work is actually pretty strong. Yeah, Rinko Suave. Rinko Suave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I liked her. I wish that there was more of her in the game. Yeah. I just flatly agree. She yeah. she ends up getting relegated to being a phone call yeah. a little bit too early. Uh, so you think about the guy in the phone? Oh yeah, Ed. I wanted him to be like an actual character. You can. There's a photo of him, mm-hmm. and you can buy the uh, the Gashapon machine figures, and there's like models of Ed doing stuff. And I was like, they make models of this character that you never, never see. <laughs> it's really strange. Uh, also, as a side note, um, I bought 50 capsules from the capsule machines for an achievement. Uh, I'm an idiot. You, I know it. You don't have to tell me. Uh, <laughs> they make you watch him turn the knob mm. every time. And the achievement is called, like, Try Your Luck. 
But it just gives you everyone in the series in a row. Like, maybe the order is is random. There's no luck. You'll never get a duplicate. So, why do you have to... This is such a minor thing that only applies to dumb people like me. Uh Uh-huh. But why do you have to watch the animation every time? You're just going to give me all of them. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense. There's no fanfare. It's just a tedious thing. Uh, Anyway, that's my one minute talking about the the capsule machines, but I had to get it in there. Uh Uh-huh. Those, I think, were added in the DLC, by the way. Oh, okay. So not a positive addition (laughs) in that case. Yeah, I think I bought two of them. Nice. Yeah. Which ones did you get? I don't even remember. Did you get dog four or whatever? I definitely did not get a dog. Oh, sad. (laughs) Uh, I guess, should we mention the dogs? That's another one of those weird mechanics that stands out. It does. In fact, it's one that I didn't mention when I was just going over all of the open world mechanics it has. Right. And should have. I just, I don't have anything like particularly interesting to say about them, but I think it is a cool idea. Yeah. Uh, I think it's one of those things that like the internet has bullied into existence (laughs) that like now in every game you can pet the dogs. Right. Um, so, I mean, you can pet the dogs in this game, but, like, you can read their thoughts, and sometimes they'll tie into quests. I wish they would have done a little bit more with that. Yeah. I wish they had done more, I think... Because you can buy dog food <laughs> and feed them and stuff. It feels like it's going to be a bigger thing. Or at least that's the way I, what I thought at the beginning of the game. Yeah. I think it, this ties in, I think, mostly with uh, you talking about the economy earlier. Mm. The the You can buy dog food, which costs, like, 500 bucks. And give it. How much yen is that? Well, it costs like five hundred yen. It costs like five dollars, I suppose. Uh, And you give it to the dog, and then the dog will be like, "Thanks, dog." Yeah, and they'll like give you some items or whatever. It goes and digs up, and it always, as far from my experience, always digs up money, and it's always a little. It's more than you put in, Mm -hmm. so it feels like if they made them less common. And also made money a thing you gave a shit about ever for any reason. Right. Then it would have been cool. But it does end up being... They're all over the place. You feed the first, like, ten dogs that you see. Probably not. You probably feed the first, like, three dogs you see. Sure, yeah. And then you go, okay, well, I'm not doing that anymore. Because I'm not going to keep restocking dog food (laughs) for the same thing to happen a bunch of times. Yeah, and it felt like they could have just combined the eat or feed them and read their thoughts into one thing yeah because like, it, it really felt like when i fed them and then they didn't like then talk to me it, that felt like strange like i don't want to have right. to scan them again and then read their thoughts yeah i don't think this has come up on the podcast speaking of scanning dogs oh of course uh-huh uh yeah i don't think this has come on the podcast before which is surprising it either means I don't know what it means. Uh-huh. You decide what it means. Okay. This game has detective vision. Right. And I historically am not a big fan of detective vision. Mm-hmm. And it's not different in this game. I don't think this is like a great implementation of detective vision. It's just, it felt, it just, it's one of those mechanics that just felt like they just put it in here because you already have a mini map with a million icons. Mm-hmm. And so it feels like it's there for specific little story moments where it's like, oh, I'll use my scan and it's the wall demon. Right. <laughs> and it's cool when that happens. 
Uh, but man, did they enforce using that a lot in this game? I heard that like boop noise right. so many times. Yeah, like, I I feel like it's like it it makes sense in a game. Like it lets you see ghosts. Yeah. Like I get at least it makes like thematic sense. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's like at least it's like fluid enough that like you don't have to stop moving or anything to use it. So I I didn't find it to be like annoying. Like some detective visions, it feels like you have to like, keep stopping and starting to like turn turn it off and on, or yeah, you get to like question whether or not you should just leave it on all the time and then consider. Uh, fucking throwing your console out the window <laughs> instead you know like that is that is the biggest pro- this is why detective vision is such like a, a, a embroiled mechanic where it's like detective vision if on at all times is too good right so do you how do you impose a limit on it and a lot of people and i think this is sort of what they did here they just said is it really annoying to use it a lot mm-hmm. and if so then players won't use it as much but what really happens is that people use it more than they want to be using it because it is still good right so you can make it worse you could make the having detective vision just part of the world that's yeah. probably the best way of doing they it. they usually make it like really visually harsh yeah so that no one wants to leave it on all the time because it's ugly to look at <laughs> but then they're like oh you didn't get the fucking you know joker placard from level 19 right and oh you must not a you must be a bad gamer yeah it's it's <laughs> i feel like yeah it's like the human impulse is something you had to, you're fighting with Detective Vision. Yeah. I don't have any grand solutions for the Detective Vision problem, mm-hmm. but I will say that if Detective Vision died off tomorrow, I wouldn't <laughs> be that sad about it. Yeah. Yeah, I actually thought it was, like, okay in this one. In this yeah, game. not terrible. Better than Witcher Senses, I think. Mm. Even though Witcher Senses are also, like, kind of thematically cool. True. It has a purpose, which yes. is nice. Yeah. But you do mostly just use it to follow, like, footprints and stuff. <laughs> so. Uh, I mean, I guess it's a thing that we often do. Do you want to, like, talk about the final boss, or do we not care? Oh, that's a good point. Let's talk about bosses as a whole, because I think there was a problem with bosses. Yeah, from from my count, there's only, like, three bosses. Yeah. For, the long, for a long time, they just put a big enemy in. <laughs> and, like, that's the boss encounter. Uh-huh. Uh, more of, like, a mini-boss style thing. Uh, and then you can just kind of just, like, fucking panic, <laughs> unload, of like, a, all your wind charges into it and kill it. Um, also, you have, like, Devil Trigger. We didn't talk about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the wire-in mechanic. Yeah, which makes combat very trivial. It sure does. Um, but I don't. I guess I don't really have anything other... To say about it other than it makes the game way too easy but um <laughs> yeah so bosses yeah so but the actual bosses there are like the big spider lady the uh the final boss which is like a weird fucking dinosaur thing with faces with masks on it uh and uh i guess the hulking uh spell essence, cast yeah spellcaster guy like yeah. they're all like fine yeah 
I think my problem solid <laughs> fair. Yeah. Uh, I, I think my problem with bosses overall is that they're like you said. There's like three. Mm-hmm. There are lots of places where boss encounters are obviously intended that that is what it is, mm-hmm. but it is just regular enemies but a lot of them and Mm. it it felt like they fell back on that too often i get that making bosses is hard but like just don't put something that seems like a boss in that spot Uh, the worst offender is unfortunately the end of the school mission Mm. where you fight a 40 foot lady the 40 foot lady is just there she doesn't interact with you at all. She's just in the background, mm. and then you fight waves, waves of regular enemies. Yeah, uh, so kind of a bummer in in that case because like this game's enemies are so cool. Boss enemies would also be cool, and the ones that exist do look great. Did but she, there's not yeah. enough. Does she summon exclusively flip kicking school children? No, but she does summon a shitload of flip kicking school children. <laughs> You will be up to your fucking eyeballs in yeah. flip kicks. I, I think I might actually go back and play that school uh, <laughs> mission. It's pretty good. Now that I've been reminded about it. Yeah. Uh, this is a good time for it, too. It's like almost 1 a.m. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, all right. Do we have fire-weaving thoughts? <laughs> Uh, my fire weaving thoughts are, uh, I, I feel like when you were playing this, I kind of got the impression that you liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, but based on this conversation, it feels like I liked it more than you did. Because uh, I thought this was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't dive headfirst into the open world stuff, so that probably made it all go over better Yeah, for me. Because like, I think I probably put like 20 hours into this max. Um, so yeah, I, I, I guess I, maybe I recommend playing it that way. <laughs> um, so it doesn't get like tedious and stuff. Cause I, I do agree with you. Like, I, it does feel like there's too much in here. Um, I said it earlier and I think it kind of really cuts to the core, at least in my head. Like this really feels like it just wants to be like a 15 hour game, mm-hmm. but they put it in an open world. <laughs> Uh, which I mean, like, it's kind of like a lot of things in this game, like they want like they had the idea for like Tokyo. So like, oh, well, we're going to make it set in Tokyo. So might as well have it like a big open city. Um, yeah, it feels like there's like a lot of cool ideas in here and like, they're maybe not like as cohesively tied together as they could be. Um, there is, yeah, there's like padding and stuff. That's like, yeah, that's kind of like diluting all the good stuff. Um, but like. I don't like all of the the good stuff is really good though. Like I like a lot of those like we called them out early. The like the indoor horror e sections are all really cool. Surprisingly well done side quests. Like a lot of like I did a couple like back to back that took place in like basically the exact same apartment. Right. Uh, but like didn't really care because <laughs> uh, like I was doing like a different interesting thing in each one. Um. So, yeah, no, I I find it surprisingly enjoyable, and I do feel like it is kind of like a total hidden gem. Like, if you can get this, like, on sale, like, if, like, it's totally worth, like, 30 bucks, uh, 
Yeah, like it's it's interesting. I like to see uh, games like this. Like they're vanishingly rare, mm-hmm. where you'll get like a game developed by like a big studio that's like this weird, like it's <laughs> like a short, weird like game that feels like it's a lot different than a lot of other games coming out. Uh, and it it is a shame. Uh, at least it, based on like what you were saying earlier, that it seems like people just didn't like it when it came <laughs> out. Um, but yeah, because like I I was surprised. Yeah. Um, I thought that this might just be kind of like something I felt like super meh about, but was like very pleasantly surprised by it. So yeah, I think it's like a weird, cool little game. It is messy, but like. I, I guess it just falls in this kind of sweet spot for me where I just didn't really care. Right. Like, all of the cool <laughs> stuff was cool enough that I would just, like, it was a fun ride. Yeah. I'm, honestly, I'm glad I gave that impression to some extent. <laughs> I think maybe you're correct and I did go too far. I actually did really enjoy my time with the game, but I also enjoy things that I don't think are good design. A lot of the time. And I guess I'm a bit self-conscious about that. It's it basically, there are things in this game that I think go too far in terms of populating an open world with just shit to do that isn't that interesting. And I think that that takes too much of a front seat in people's sort of impression of an open world game. When somebody picks up a game that is advertised as an open world game, they're going to be like, oh, what are all of the things I can do in the open world? Is this going to eat 40 hours or is it going to eat 150 hours or whatever? Is this a Skyrim? That kind of shit. And to me, that's like, to me, that that feels very unhealthy from a game design (laughs) perspective. It seems like the kind of thing where your game should have a more predefined scope than open world games tend to. And this game just totally overshoots what its capabilities are. I think, though, in spite of that, that the game itself is extremely cool and very interesting. I think that the combat, while being pretty bog standard as far as like point and click and shoot, has so many interesting little avenues to go down with all of the different options that you're given, plus movement, uh, it actually does feel fluid and punchy and good to do. Uh, running around the city itself, as much as I don't like that there's so much of it to do, is an extremely enjoyable experience because of how kind of janky and weird all the movement is. Um, and I think all of the character work and the narrative stuff, especially in the side quests and especially centering around uh, your main characters, is really well done and intriguing and the acting is great and the writing is good and there's a whole bunch of like crazy totally obscure Japanese folklore and facts about ramen noodles that you probably haven't heard yet uh, that are in this game so I actually do like I said at the beginning my goal is to convince you that this is an interesting game not that it's like a great game but it is a good game, and it's a game that I liked playing. So I also give it like a recommend or whatever fucking we don't do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I liked it. Thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about Rimworld. A game that's extremely easy to get into, <laughs> and as 
is simple fun. It's like The Sims. Uh, RimWorld's a colony builder game that uh, is heavy on simulation and plays similar to operating Microsoft Word. Uh, (laughs) And is a great game that I like a lot. So, uh, join us for that one next time. And until that time... You can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro. There you can find links to our Twitter account, our email address, our YouTube channel. Uh, you can find our Discord server to suggest games for us to talk about or talk about the games uh, that we've already done episodes on, including... Uh, what have we done that's like this game? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh Tears of the Kingdom is uh, an open world game. The, the uh, Evil Within. Yeah, Evil Within 2 is yeah. like a pseudo open world game and is by the same developer. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, my mind just went to Resident Evil 7 and 8 for some reason. That's fair, yeah. Um, yeah, this we haven't really played anything like this. Prey, maybe? Yeah, that's not too bad. comes to mind. We've played things that share a lot of elements with this game. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, those are all good suggestions, though. Go check them out. Mm-hmm. Shoot all your wind bullets into the like <laughs> button. Cast a wide net with the water attack in the comment <laughs> section to get lots of thumbs ups and subscribe. You're not. You're also not thinking of crazy frog. I'm also who does a high pitched, bring ding 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 ding. That's the one. Yeah, that's not my vocal style. No, I'm more the other frog. <laughs> a frog. A frog. A frog.